Welcome to the latest edition of the Buff Zone podcast. I'm Brian Howell and joined as always by Pat Rooney. And uh, Pat, we're, uh, we got another football game week and basketball season starts next week. So there's a lot going on. It's a busy time of year. It is every November. Um, obviously, we got the other sports hitting their stretch run as well. But uh, that time where, where football and, and, and the start of basketball especially overlap uh, keeps us busy, but certainly an exciting time as well. Yeah, so we're going to talk uh, briefly about the basketball openers. We're going to do uh, more on basketball as the season gets going here next week. But, um, you know, we're going to mainly focus on football for, in this one as uh, the Buffs host uh, number eight Oregon uh, in a game that uh, really I'm not sure there's anybody out there that gives CU much of a shot uh, to win this game. Um, you know, Oregon, obviously one of the best teams in the country. Colorado, one of the worst teams in the country, and it's you know reflected in a 31 point spread, which um, might be might be the first time I've said this this year that might, that might be too low of a spread, uh, you know, given uh, these two teams and then the trajectory yeah. they're on. But um, yeah, certainly not the easiest game for the Buffs, and and the start of what is kind of a brutal four game stretch to end the season. Yeah, that's why, you know, last week I, I, I foolishly predicted a, a Buffs win against Arizona State. But, you know, part of it was also, you know, thinking they might kind of rally together the way, the way they did in that Cal game. Um, because, because let's face it, that was probably their last chance at a win this season. I mean, I guess you say never say never, but, uh, you know, the chances of them coming out with a victory in, in any of these four games – to close things here uh, is, you know, slim at best uh, and, and probably even less than that this week against Oregon. But like you said, he's playing really well right now. Yeah. And, you know, obviously when the two teams are playing each other, there is a shot to win a game and we've seen upsets, but there's, there's clearly nothing that we've seen throughout the first uh, nine weeks of this football season, right? Games of this football season that suggests that Colorado um, can win this game or any of the next four. So, uh, so yeah, I agree with you. I picked a win last week as well. Um, they made it interesting. I, it, I will, I will say, you know, the two most, uh, entertaining football games of the season have been, uh, the two home games under Mike Sanford in the last three weeks. So, you know, at least they've, uh, they've managed to make football entertaining in Boulder. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say this about this past week's game, um, you know, especially when like talking to a couple of the players afterwards, you know, it, it's it, it was an odd dynamic. And I, I think I mentioned this last week when we were kind of looking at the, the Oregon State game, you know, you give up that many points, uh, you know, it wasn't completely lopsided against Arizona State. Um, and, and, you know, thanks to Jordan Tyson, the, the buffs made it a little bit interesting at the end. You know, despite the score, I still feel like the team is is, is playing harder than we saw in the the zero and five start. Uh, you know, they're making a few more plays on defense. Uh, they're you know they're they're just hitting harder out there. Uh, you know, it's not really showing up on the scoreboard. And you know, the seem it feels even talking about it feels a little bit like grasping at straws. Like, well, hey, at least they're doing this well. But I do feel like there's more of an edge there. Uh, no matter what the scoreboard says, uh, then we saw in, in, you know, through those, the first five games, you know, leading to the dismissal of Carl Durrell. Yeah. And the dismissal of Chris Wilson uh, as a defensive coordinator. And, you know, I, I chatted with Gerald Chapman, the new defense coordinator this week. And, 
And, you know, I, I think they are making better plays on defense. And clearly they gave up 42 points. They gave up, uh, um, I guess it's 42 the last two games. So um, it hasn't looked pretty as far as that goes. But, you know, as he said to me, he said, look, if he goes, there's a reason why we have spring ball and you know, all these things is because you need it. And he goes, if you didn't need it, we wouldn't do it. And so them trying to implement a new defense, new tackling, tackling techniques, things like that, because you can't just do it on the fly in the middle of a season and you're going to be perfect with it. Um, he said, if I, if I could have had this the whole time, I think it would look a lot better. And I, and I kind of agree with him uh, based on what we've seen the past few weeks and the way this team has played. So um, I, I do give them credit for they've played better football. They've made more plays on defense. Uh, the offense is coming together a little bit. It's just way too little and way too late uh, to salvage anything for this season. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we're kind of staring in the face of a one and eleven season at this point, right? Uh, you know, unless something crazy happens in these last few weeks. Um, so now, you know, I, you know, I guess this is a good question uh, for you, Brian. Is you know, Mike Sanford has kind of talked about him approaching this 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 gig over these last couple, you know, uh, you know, for the past month and, and the month going forward for these couple months that he's going to be on this job and have this interim label of focusing solely on the players and, and what they need and making this a good experience for him and for them. And, you know, I feel like he's been earnest and, and, and forthright with that. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe that's been his, his approach through all that, but you know, how do you, how do you balance that down the stretch here um, where, you know, you have a guy like maybe Alex Fontenot is coming back uh, getting healthy you know, you want to send him out right yet. You know, you want to see what some other guys can do uh, looking forward. How do you maybe strike that balance of, of you know, re- rewarding guys that have stuck it out while maybe at the same time trying to get a look at some, you know, pieces, players that, uh, you know, you, you might be depending on down the road to get this thing turned around? You know, I, I don't know how Mike Sanford would do it, but I guess for me, if I was in that position, the way I would strike that balance is um, I think all these players, uh, the young players, um, you know, are well aware that these seniors are on their, you know, their last few games and that many of them probably won't play after this. And I think there's probably some awareness that, uh, you know, Hey, when I'm in that position, I hope that that's how they treat me and that they let me play a little bit. And, you know, if I'm Mike Sanford, if Alex Fontenot is healthy, I want to let him play and, and carry the football in the last few games to give him some experiences down the stretch of his college career while also, you know, and Anthony, Anthony Hankerson knows that, Hey, we're going to defer to, you know, Alex Fontenot a little bit these next few weeks, your time is coming. Don't worry about it. Um, and you have to try to balance that. Maybe you give like a Hankerson a carry here and there. Um, that's just one example at the running back position, but, um, that's how I would do it. It's just that understanding that, Hey, we're trying to give these lifelong experiences and these guys only have a few games left. We want to make it enjoyable for everybody. And, um, I think there's probably player awareness that, uh, that, yeah, we want those seniors because you hear all the time, you know, whether it's a good team or bad team players talk about, we want to send the seniors out. Right. And so I think there's, there's player awareness that, uh, you know, these guys are coming down in their final month and that they want to make it as good as uh, good of an experience as possible. The other question I've kind of kept kicking around in my head as we, you know, approach these, these tough last four games, look, Bowl eligibility is officially off the table, uh, even though it seemed like it was off the table maybe after week three. Um, but that's officially out the window now. 
Um, but, and, you know, I think even, you know, five, eight years ago, uh, at this stage of the season, you would maybe turn to some of those younger guys, see what you've got, develop them, um, and, and, you know, try to maybe get them some more experience. Uh, but nowadays, you know, with the transfer portal, you know, can you afford to take that route? Uh, you know, you mentioned Anthony Hankerson. Do you put him out there again for, you know, he's played four games so far. Uh, do you burn that season of eligibility just to get him a few more uh, looks out there? You know, you, you wrote the, 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 you know, similar approach or, you know, uh, maybe conundrum with, with Owen McCown. Obviously, he may not be healthy and, and, and that part of the equation obviously is a factor as well but uh you know I, I feel like in years past this would be a time where you start looking at those younger players and, and, and maybe start trying to get some momentum for those players into the next spring but around here you know can you even guarantee those players will be here uh once we're through this season and uh you know through the whatever happens with the the coaching change yeah and that's the other part of uh going back to your your other question that's the other part of the balance is you know, do you need to play them to keep them happy and keep them here? Or do you maybe not want to uh, show them off uh, to where they look too good and they, they leave, you know, <laughs> and somebody gets in their ear from another program. It's almost like, um, you know, the, the football, the NFL teams that, uh, that try to hide, you know, a guy in the, in the preseason and, and try to slip them through the practice squad. Right. Uh, you maybe not want to expose them too much. So um, I think it's an, it's a fascinating you know, a conundrum and balance that they have of, you know, what do they actually do with that? Now, some of these guys, it could be an easy choice. Um, to me, it seems like an easy choice to just retro Owen McCown at this point. Um, it might be with, with Fontenot back, Smith back, Jaylee Stacks uh, looking pretty good. Uh, Charlie Arfidel's had a good year. It might be really easy to go to Anthony Hankerson and say, you know what, let's not burn your red shirt, you know, uh, in these next few games and, and make sure he's okay with that. And so, um, it might be some of those decisions are easy, but uh, I think it's an interesting balance to see what they do with some of those guys. Yeah, I imagine behind the scenes, that's got to be kind of a player by player basis. Uh, you know, if because on the other, you know, and, and I'm just going to use Anthony Hankerson as an example because he's sitting on four, four games. I don't, I don't want to, I have no idea what his thought process is uh, at the moment, but just to use him as an example. You know, if, if, if he wants to play more uh, and then doesn't, uh, you know, does, does that upset him enough that he thinks about the transfer portal? And, you know, and, and that can kind of work on, on both ways. You know, like I said, I have no idea of where he's at or, or, or what he's thinking. Um, but, but you got to think those conversations are going on in the background. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think there's probably a lot of those things. And uh, that's, that's why that head coaching job is so difficult is there's so many of those things that you have to balance as that head coach. And, um, you know, as, as we're using this guy as an example, you've got to go to Anthony Hankerson to find out how exactly are you feeling going down the stretch? And if the kid really wants to play and doesn't care about the red shirt year, I think you got to make some effort to get some carries for him. Also with that understanding that, Hey, we also need to get these other guys carries and, and hopefully he understands that. But, um, the bottom line is, though, they're going to lose a bunch of guys in the transfer portal no matter what, and they kind of have to if they're going to sign all the people they've got committed. So um, you just hope that you don't lose a number of good players like you did last season, you know, with those six starters that lost. That's what you're trying to hold on to is uh, you're really good players. You're going to lose a bunch of guys no matter what. 
Well, sadly, uh, this is probably the most intrigue surrounding this team as we go into these final four games. Uh, what may not have a lot of intrigue is how this game this week is going to pan out. Brian, your predictions. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot of intrigue on that result. And, uh, you know, it's funny in the in the game notes every week, there's there's a page that lists like the, it's kind of a tail of the tape between the two teams that lists, you know, kind of their, their stat comparison, but also where they rank nationally. And uh, it's really insane when you look at CU and how offensively and defensively they rank you know, in the hundreds in almost everything, you know, uh, offense, defense, the best ranking that CU has, as I'm looking at this is uh, passing yards allowed. They're only 88th, you know, everything else is like in the hundreds. And, you know, you look at Oregon offensively and it's like they're ranked second and first downs they are ranked fifth in scoring. And, you know, they got one of the best offenses in the country. Now they don't have a great defense though. And, you know, the, the ducks are actually in the hundreds in some of those defensive categories and uh, they average or they give up 28 points per game. So I do think the Buffs can score some points in this game. Uh, just not a lot because this team doesn't score a lot of points, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but the ducks have given up at least 20 points in, in all but one game this year. The only exception was Eastern Washington, which uh, maybe that's on par of what uh, CU is offensively, but I think CU gets that 20 point mark. But I don't think there's any way they're stopping Oregon. So I'm going with the Ducks 59 to 20. Ooh, a big 59 spot, huh? Yeah, I think they get a field goal in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going just uh, a, a little less. And, you know, it's interesting, though, while I was thinking, uh, while you're, you're pointing out that, that the pass defense stat, the Buffs being only, only 88th in that category, uh, yet at the same time, they've, they've given up two of the uh, top passing yard totals by an opponent in program history. Yeah. Uh, you know, just in the last few, few weeks, we've seen two of them. Yeah, you got to think that number would be higher if uh, that that ranking would be, I guess, lower uh, more accurately. If uh, you know, a lot of teams weren't just running out the clock on the Buffs late in games. Uh, but looking at this week's game, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the same lines. I also think a 50 spots going up on the board. Um, and I, I was thinking 52-17 uh, uh, Oregon, certainly not the Buffs. 52-17 <laughs> Oregon. Uh, I don't think the Buffs get to that 20-point mark this week. Well, it's going to be difficult. You know, I, I, I will say that, uh, you know, you look at Oregon stats and their, I guess, weakness would be their pass defense. Uh, they give up, you know, the, I mean, they're 119th in, in passing yards allowed. Now, part of that could be that teams are having to pass to try to catch up, but they're also, I mean, they give up 67% completion percentage. Their pass efficiency defense is one one um, I say that because in order for CU uh, to have a shot of uh, being even competitive, JT Shroud's got to play the best game of his career to this point. And um, it's interesting that uh, Oregon's allowing 67% completion. JT Shroud's completing 44% of his passes, which is on pace to be the lowest by a CU quarterback since Sal and Nessie, who ran the option, Back in 1988, JT Shroud's got to figure out a way to complete a higher percentage of passes. You know, whether it's Oregon, whoever it is, they just got to figure that out. Yeah, um, and you know, it's, it's this is a tough week to try to figure that out because they're going to have to put points on the board. Yeah, no question. And uh, but I think uh, I'll, I'll ask you this question because I was asked this question earlier. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you, you, any of us think that this is going to be a competitive game. I mean, it just seems like Oregon, everything is set up for Oregon to run away with this thing. So 
what actually would constitute a successful afternoon for CU? Yeah, that's a tough question. Obviously, maybe uh, keeping it close uh, in the first half. You know, I I go back to halftime of that TCU game, and in retrospect, that might have been the best first half of the season for the Buffs, even uh, in even with uh, the, the struggles on offense. You know, given the way TCU has rolled since then, um, you know, I think something like that. You know, if you're if you're close at halftime, and you know, Oregon ultimately pulls away and, and, and rolls, uh, you, you know, if you're in the fight, you know, if you get a turnover early and, you know, maybe you're, you know, in, in a tie game late in the first quarter, I don't know. I think there's scenario, there's, there's several scenarios where you could probably feel good about how you play if, if you're the buffs. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's any one thing, um, but obviously, you know, I think the, the, the main component there is, is the competitiveness, you know, if, I think the last thing you want is for just Oregon to, to come out and, you know, slap 21 points on the board right away. And, and, you know, the rest of the day, we're all just kind of going through the motions. You know, I think for you to feel good about how the buffs played in this one, there has to be some component of, of, of keeping it close, you know, for, for a good chunk of the first half, at least. Yeah, I would agree with you. And my answer to that question when I was asked was if they cover, I think you can feel fairly good about it, you know, um, cover that 31 point spread. And if you're able to, you know, top that, that 20 point mark, I mean, they, they finally topped 20 points last week with 34. I don't think they're going to do that, but if you can get three touchdowns on the board and you, you get 24 points and maybe you lose 52 to 24. Um, I, I don't think that's that bad of a game uh, for Colorado, given the circumstances. And, and if JT Stroud completes 58% of his passes, right? You know, that looks something yeah. that's that's not the I was wrong before I said 44%. He's at 43%. So, um as long as it's better than that uh, and they're actually looking competent at times and on on both sides of the ball, I think you can feel good about it and um we know they're not going to win. You know, I'd be absolutely stunned. It'd be one of the most stunning things I've ever covered if they won this game, but um I think that there's things they can do that we can walk away from it saying, "Yeah, that wasn't too bad." Well, famous last words. We'll see if we cover a monumental upset on Saturday afternoon. We will see. We're going to find out in a few days. Yeah. <laughs> so a <laughs> uh, couple other things real quick. As Brian said in the beginning, we uh, have basketball tipping off on Monday. Uh, we are, are, are talking about doing a, a basketball-centric podcast after the opener, though, however. Obviously, we got our hands full with, uh, with football the remainder of the week here. And, um, uh, but we will look to do a podcast dedicated solely to hoops after the opener. We'll see how the teams look. Women's tip off at noon on Monday, uh, with the men that evening at six o'clock. So nice doubleheader opening day for basketball. Uh, we've got the soccer finale on Friday afternoon. Unfortunately, it's been a, a rough final month for the women's soccer team. There will be no NCAA tournament this season, but they'll try to go out on a winning note. I'm sorry, Friday afternoon at print up volleyball on the road this week, uh, Bay area trip, uh, tough, tough, uh, assignment on Sunday at number eight Stanford, but, uh, Cal on, on Friday night, hasn't won a PAC 12 match yet. Uh, the buffs are coming off an impressive home sweep against the LA schools. So, uh, coming home with a split on this trip uh, would certainly not be a bad thing that the team's been making a move in the RPI and certainly as it stands now has a chance to, to be in that NCAA tournament picture. So a uh, good chance to get a road result for the buffs this weekend. And uh, 
Uh, cross country is off this week, but last week uh, Bailey Hertenstein won the individual Pac-12 Women's Championship, leading the women's team to the team title at the Pac-12, uh, and and the men's finished fourth. Uh, next week they're at the regionals, so kind of ramping up toward the the national championships in a few weeks. Yeah, there's a lot going on, obviously, and you know you hope that volleyball team can play better than their last road trip out of Oregon. Kind of a disappointing result, uh, at least at Oregon State. Um, they, they need to get that win against Cal. So, uh, but yeah, lots going on and, uh, we'll have it covered. And, uh, like Pat said, we're going to do more basketball, um, centered, uh, podcast next week. Uh, both of us kind of want to see that opener first and plus we're running out of time with all the football going on. So, uh, but it should be a fun day, uh, on Monday. Um, the, the women are playing at noon because it's kids day. Uh, there should be a lot of, uh, um, school kids there, which, uh, makes for a loud environment. Um, you know, especially for an old guy like me, that's, that's, that's a lot of screaming, but it's a cool environment. It's always a fun day. Uh, have all those kids come out there. So it uh, should be a fun, uh, fun day at the event center on Monday as both of those teams get started. Yeah. Looking forward to it on a Monday night. Uh, but first we got this football game to get through. Well, we'll get through it and uh, you know, we'll chat again next week, Pat. Yep. You bet. And uh, everyone, as always, thanks for listening.